All right, you get Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Yay! Okay, I'm the only one there. All right, no worries. Well, we're so glad to have you here. Um, I was going over and over what, what I'm not, my gifting is not titling a message. Let me just get in the word. <laughs> so, um, it's long, but you'll get to, it'll get, it'll eventually will get to the point of where I'm wanting to go. So just bear with me. Uh, but really what I want to talk with you about is you can trust God with your future. You can trust God with your future. If we look uh, at the at the environments of how we were raised, if we look at our social environment, um, if we look at, at our families, we can look at things and allow that to determine where we're going. But our destiny is based upon the plan and the purpose that God has for our life. And if you and I rest in our minds and come in agreement with the truth of the word of God that I am his and he is mine. He has a purpose. He has a plan for my life. And no matter what obstacles, no matter what heartbreaks, no matter what frustrations, no matter what disappointments, no matter the impossible tasks that come my way, I know that I know that I will move forward because God has my back. Does that make any sense? So that's a long title, but you get the point, okay? So in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will direct your path. I find that each verse of this is so cool because it lays out what you're going to face. You know, when it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, uh, do not depend on your own understanding. God knows that our responses, because look, you can be a great leader. You can be a task-oriented person, but that is not what is going to keep you going. It is going to be the truth of the Word of God and the Spirit of the living God living on the inside of you saying, come on, baby, I believe in you. Come on, baby, you can do it. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Because sometimes there will be nobody else around you in the darkest and the loneliest and the frustrated times of of your life, but the Spirit of God will speak to you and say, I believe in you, and yes, you can. Does that make any sense? God is our biggest fan, our biggest cheerleader, and we need to grasp that you and I are not alone. We are not alone. I heard someone recently say, and I was like, oh man, that's so good. God is standing in your future, smiling at you. God is standing in your future smiling at you. Why is that so important for us to grasp? Because the enemy wants us to get a tainted picture of the very nature and character of how God sees us. Oh, you failed. You messed up. You're out of here. No. If anything, he's like, come on. Come on, because the only way that there is going to be renewal, the only way that there is going to be transformation is when we go to the Lord, okay? So seek his will in all you do, and there's a promise. He will direct your path. Isaiah 26, 1 through 3, 3, and I'm going to explain this in the message. Our city is now strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Open the gates to all who are righteous. 
Allow the faithful to enter. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. We're going to take a closer look at Nehemiah and what the gate, what the wall was and, and how, what it represented. But as you and I began to trust God with our future, what does that look like? God is a relational God. And in every healthy relationship, we can identify three factors. And God is not ex excluded from these three factors. One, in order for you to have a healthy relationship, the components of a healthy relationship, there needs to be three things. One, there has to be respect. There has to be love. And there has to be trust. Respect. You hold this person in high regards. You admire them for their qualities of their character they embody. When we began to speak of the very character of God, as it says in Galatians, he is loving, he is patient, he is kind, he is, he is goodness, he is long-suffering. That means that we're going to mess up, but he's not going to toss us aside. He's going to be right there with us. It's vital that you and I know the very nature and the character of God. Because the, in order for us to go and talk to him and sit with him and be with him, you can anticipate for the enemy to paint the lying picture of who God is to you. You can't trust him. You're not good enough. You need to work a little bit more to get him to love you. That is a lie from the pit of hell. There is nothing that you and I can continue to do and to do and to do that will ever cause us for God to say, okay, I think I finally love you now. His love is unconditional. So in healthy relationship, we identify three components. One is respect. The next is love. When you read in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, the love that they're talking about is agape love. That is the, the nature of who God is. So if you were to describe God is patient and kind, God is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. God does not demand its own way. God is not irritable. It keep, God keeps no record of wrong when it has been or when he has been wrong. It is never glad about injustice. He is never glad about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. God never gives up. God never loses faith is always hopeful, endures through every circumstances. God will last forever. Now, how many of you know when we began to reflect on the person, on the nature of that person, we're going to want to be around them. We're going to want to go to them, to talk to them. Because you and I are not going to go to someone, give our lives to them, if we do not value them if we do not know their character, and if we cannot trust them. Trust is that you can take the person at their word. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you or forsake you. I love that. I can trust God with my future because he has gone before me and prepared a place for me. 
I can trust God with my view because he is with me every step of the way. I can trust God with my future because it is God's desire and heart not to see me fail. He's not there. Ah, you messed up. Come on. No. So come to me. I'll make you new. He'll correct us. He corrects those he loves. He'll never forsake us. I read this scripture earlier and in as I read it, it just kind of jumped out at me. Oh, it just, it got me excited. Psalm 138, two through, two through three. It says, I bow before your holy temple as I worship. I give thanks to your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness. Now listen to this. This is so incredible because your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. And when I pray, you answer me. You encourage me by giving me the strength I need. I can trust that God will do what he says that he will do. I can trust that his name, in his name. When you trust someone, you will take time to sit with them. When you trust someone, you will take time to listen to them. And when you trust someone, you will take time to receive from them. God desires for us to sit with him, for us to listen to him, for us to receive from him. But in order for us to do that, we have to get in a place of, Lord, I trust you with my life. I trust you because your word says who you are and that you cannot fail me and lie to me. Amen. Amen. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 is a very familiar uh, passage in Scripture. Uh, but I love it. It says, then Jesus said, come to me. Just, just that alone. J- just come on. Come on. The Scripture describes what we're going, what, what state of mind. The Scripture describes what we will face in hardships in our lives. But what is he, what is the, what is the first statement? Jesus said, come on. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. All who are weary and heavy, and, and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke fits perfectly the burden. The burden I give you is light. The carrying the heavy burdens, this could be a burden of life. This could be a sorrow. This could be something heavy operating in your life. And God is saying, just come to me. Come to me. You can trust me. I love you unconditionally. I value you. Second Corinthians 6, 16, it says, And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And God says, I will live in them and I will, I will walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Ephesians 2, 21 through 22, 23, it says, We who believe are carefully joined together, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also joined together as part of his dwelling where God lives by his spirit. When you and I invite God, and we know this, but we need to constantly remind ourselves and speak this. When we invite God and we call on God to come and sit with us, 
By his spirit, he comes and he will talk with us. He will fellowship with us. He is a relational God. And that is so vital. Because whenever you and I are sitting with God and we are talking with him, then we will discover our true identity and our security in our life. So the question is, is how to trust God with my future? How to trust God with my future? In Nehemiah 1, 1 through 5, and this is a large, from a, from a biblical setting and from a historical point, there, this is a, a large part of scripture where you had, let me set it up, you had uh, King Nebuchadnezzar and uh, he had attacked and destroyed Jerusalem and, and carried off the leading citizens into Babylon, including Daniel, as you're familiar with. Then you had uh, King Cyrus, king of Persia, who overthrew uh, Nebuchadnezzar's empire and became the ruler over the ancient world uh, in Persia. And, um, and, and the king of uh, Persia, Cyrus, at this time, uh, he believed that rebuilding the vanquished and foreign powers and collecting and basically, let me just say this. I'm reading my notes, but it's getting me confused. Basically, Cyrus's, Cyrus's approach to government was completely opposite than King Nebuchadnezzar. His view was, is that he was like a politician. And so he was just going to accept everybody and he was going to worship their gods, um, so that it can give him influence into the, into those people groups. Okay. He was not a godly man. Uh, but he, he allowed uh, Zerubbabel to rebuild the temple, um, and he allowed uh, Ezra to reestablish the priesthood. So you have over 120 years where you had King Nebuchadnezzar had come and destroyed Jerusalem. Then he was overthrown at King Cyrus. And then after King Cyrus, then you have the other king. And don't ask me to pronounce his name. It's too difficult. Artesis, whatever, however you, you know, you, you pronounce, Mr. Mike knows how to pronounce that. Okay. So here you have this, you, here you have this king. Okay. And he, um, and he was okay with, um, uh, Nehemiah going after he had heard, God had got, given favor to Nehemiah because Nehemiah obviously was one that was, uh, had come that w- had been uh, taken captive from Babylonia. And so during this time, when he realizes he receives word from his family of the state that Jerusalem is in, he received word that the walls are torn down. He received word that the gates have been burnt down and his heart is broken. His heart is broken because their security, their identity has been compromised. The city is in shambles. This family is in shambles because they feel like that they have nothing. So when you're in a state of conflict, when you're in a state of heartbreak, when you're in a state of frustration, when you're in a state of confusion, how on earth do you want me, Lord, to trust you with my future? See, trusting God with our future is not just some quick message on a sermon, but it's the truth that you and I have access to God. That it's not just words, but it's the reality of our relationship with him is he is our hope. He is our hope. 
the first step toward any spiritual triumph personally in our lives or in the church or in our nation is through prayer. And we see with Nehemiah, his approach when he received word from his brother of the state that Jerusalem was in. And this was Nehemiah's approach. The words of Nehemiah, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off in verse 3. So then they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words, when I heard, this is Nehemiah, when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and I mourned for many days and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with, with those who love you and observe your commands. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands and the laws and the regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you sin, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. How can you and I trust God with our future? I'm sure that there's a lot of different responses. Everybody can, oh, you got to believe, you got to have it. This is very true. But we're simply going to talk about two things tonight. One, sit with him. Sit with him. It is important for you and I to recognize and say, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to do. He said, well, Dixie, that's not having faith. No, it's not a matter of not having faith. It's like, have you ever come to a place where you've received words, whether you're seeing what's happening in your family or in your nation, and you're just like, I, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't have the answers at the moment. My friends, be careful that your personality type and leadership ability don't move first and go before God to fix and resolve the problem because that's what is familiar with us and it naturally comes to us. God might want to do something new by His Spirit within you and I. Just sit with Him. Just sit with Him. We need to be willing to stop and be still and sit with God to hear what he wants to speak to us to start something new within us. Conflicts, heartbreak, stresses that we face, what is your response or your reactions? Do you go into fix-it mode? I have a game plan. Is there self-reliance depending upon ourselves instead of God? The task that was before Nehemiah was bigger than him. 
and, and I've said it before, most of the time when God calls you and I to do something in his word that he's nudging on our heart, it's going to be bigger than you. And I'm not just talking about bigger than you as far as there's a job opportunity that he has. He might want you to extend forgiveness to someone that's going to be bigger than you. Because when someone has wronged you, Nehemiah knew this. Nehemiah knew that Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed the land, that Nebuchadnezzar had brought into a place of captivity, that he was looked down upon, inferior. There was rejection. There was shame. If you were a Jew in that time, you were looked down upon as a lower caste. There is no way that not only he would have been able to see the task at hand, but even receive the very calling of what God wanted him to do if he had not sat down and said, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Isaiah 43, 18 through 21. As I was reading this, I'm going to read 18 through 21, and then I'm going to jump up and I'm going to read 16 through 17 in a minute. But it says, Do not call to mind the former things, or ponder the things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. You will not be aware of it. I will even make a road in the wilderness, rivers in the deserts, the beasts of the field, will glorify me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I have given waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people, the people who I formed myself, I would declare my praise. When he said, do not call to mind the former things, these were the things he was talking about. I am the Lord who opened the way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. Don't worry, don't don't ponder on that. I did that yesterday. I got something bigger today. I called forth the mighty army of, of uh, I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all of its chariots and horses, and I drew them beneath the waters and they drowned. But don't ponder about that. I got something bigger and better ahead for you. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candlewick, but don't focus on that because I have something bigger and better for you today. See, when we go and we sit with God, he has a fresh word. He has a new word that he wants to impart into us. Because if we are going, because what is the future? The future is ahead. Give us this day our daily bread. We have to go and sit with him so that we can be refreshed and receive that fresh new word that he wants, not just for us to go in our minds, but so that he wants to impart into our very spirit. So that whenever he begins to say, hey, Nehemiah, hey, Nehemiah, you know those people for for years and years? that took you into captivity, that, that, that tried to rob you of your identity, that tried to rob you of your security, I'm going to send you there to rebuild the wall. You what? What? Lord, let me sit here with you. See, sometimes the very people that we're praying for, Lord, help my coworker. Lord, help my neighbor. Lord, uh, uh, bring restoration. He might be the one that wants to use you to do that. But until you and I are sitting with him, allowing 
His ways, allowing His character to mold and to shape our character, allowing His Spirit to change our perspective of our role, of our assignment. Nehemiah could have very easily responded, um, Lord, I've, I've, I've been, I know I was the cupbearer and I, I, I know I have some favor with the king, but I mean, I'm a Jew. How are they going to listen to me in the land? Lord, you need to call somebody else. No, but that's your assignment. When we sit with God, not only will we receive our assignment, but we will see the very strength and the anointing of God to fulfill that assignment. We can trust God with our future. But God's not going to grab, grab, drag by the hair of the head and say, come and sit with me. He wants us to, he wants us to just freely come and sit with him. The word new here means kadash. It means to be new. It means to rebuild, renew, and repair. But it is also, it is an action word. It is the act causing something to happen and exist. It is, it is an action so that when you and I are sitting with the Lord, even though we are being still, even though we are listening, there is action that is taking place in the atmosphere. That is movement that is taking place in the atmosphere. When you and I began to say, Lord, I'm going to give you this time. Lord, I surrender, Lord. I surrender my agenda. I surrender to you, Lord. Father, may I depend upon you in everything that I do. There is going to be something that is changing in the atmosphere. You might walk in there and sit and you're heavy, but I promise you, you're going to walk out renewed and feel light. You might walk in there feeling confused, feeling defeated, but when you're in the presence of the Lord, you're going to walk out feeling refreshed and encouraged. It is vital. It is vital for you and I to come and to sit with the Lord, to sit with him. Amen. So how do we trust God with, with my future? Look to somebody next to you say, sit with him. Sit with him. Number two, how do we trust God with our future? Now I'm going to say what this is, but I, I want to, before y'all put it up there, Doug, I want to, I want to set it up. Okay. This point is not to be conveyed with, uh, um, fire, hell, and brimstone type of um, response. And what I mean by that is I'm, I, many times when we hear this word, we can immediately check out and we can think of sinners or we can immediately check out because we think we're being condemned. Okay? So this is the word. How do we trust God with my future? Go ahead, Doug, put it up there. Number two, repent to him. Repent to him. That is not for you to say, you sinner, go to God. Nope, 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 not at all. Because what did David do? What did David do? David said in Psalm 139, 23 through 24, it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. God, search me. God, not search my spouse, not search my boss. 
Not search my neighbor. God, search me. Our repentance to the Lord is us bringing that heaviness, that sorrow, whether it's of our sin, whether it's the sin of others that has made us heavy. Lord, I bring that to you. I bring that to you. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. Now you'll notice when it says, so when I heard these words, Nehemiah, I sat down and I wept and mourned. Nehemiah was broken by what he had heard that his loved ones were having to face. But then this is what he said. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, my own family. I have sinned against you. Dixie, what are you talking about? In 2 Kings 24, 1 through 3. During Jehoiakim's reign, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon invaded the land of Judah. Jehoiakim surrounded and paid him tribute for three years, but then rebelled. Then the Lord sent bands of Babylon, Armian, Moabite, and Ammonite raiders against Judah to destroy it. Just as the Lord had promised through his prophets. These disasters happened to Judah according to the Lord's command. He had decided to remove Judah from his presence because of the many sins of Manasseh. When, when Nehemiah was going to the Lord, he was sitting there, but he went with repentance. Because he said, Lord, because of our sins, we have, we have allowed, and, and Manasseh, he, uh, brought, scripture says that he brought back idolatry into the camp. And God, forgive us. Forgive us for not placing you on the throne of our heart. Because of that, generations. Because of that, Father God, there has been confusion with our identity. Because of that, we have felt, we have not felt secure and strengthened. And so he went to the Lord in repentance. Our response needs to be not to blame and tear down others for the conflict and stresses and struggles and heartbreaks that you and I are facing or walking through. Because, my friends, it will keep us captive and stuck from moving forward in the purpose and the plans that God has for us. James 3, 16, it says, Where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. When you and I began to let a critical spirit, when we began to attack and point out every wrong that is in everybody of what they're saying and we're doing, we need to point that finger here and say, Lord, point out anything in me, point out anything in me that offends you. Me. Lord, it has to start with me. Isaiah 50, 16 through 17. It says, you will not be pleased with sacrifices or 
I would bring them to you. In this scripture, David is talking about, uh, Nathan had confronted David and, and the, the, the sin of Bathsheba was exposed. And this is David's response as he's talking to the Lord. Lord, you would not be pleased with sacrifice or I would bring them to you. If I brought you a burnt offering, you would not accept it because of the sin that's in my life. The sacrifice you want is a broken spirit and a repentive heart. Oh God, you will not despise. What God desires for us is that he is on the throne of our hearts. By our words, by our actions, by our thoughts, that is moving us forward in our future. Moving us forward. He says, when you come and when you sit with me, I'm going to do a new thing in you. But also, when you come, I want you to repent. I want you to allow my spirit to expose any wrong thinking. I want you to allow my spirit to expose any unforgiveness because you can't move forward in the plans that I have for you with that. Because everything that God is going to do big in us, it is going to be by His Spirit. By the Spirit of God. We see in Nehemiah, a wall signifies two things. Identity and security. When a city had a wall, it had a name. And with its name came an identity. And when a city was destroyed, the city was without security. When you and I come and sit with him, we will discover our identity of who we really are. Not of what everybody says you are, what they think you are. But when you and I sit with him, there will be an exchange. And it will resonate in our spirit. It will remove any lie that the enemy has tried to put on us of you're a failure. You're always sick. You're always going to be sick. Your, your family's stupid. You're going to be stupid. You're worthless. You're nothing. But when you go to sit in the presence of the Lord, you will discover an identity of who God says you are. When a city is destroyed, the city was without security. When you and I go into the presence of the Lord and we are repenting and we are in that place of vulnerability, God will be gentle and tender to our hearts. Isaiah 60, verses 18, it says, Violence will disappear from your land and the dissolution and, and, and destruction of war in salvation will surround you like city walls and praise will be on the lips of all who enter therein second corinthians 1 and he has identified us as his own by placing his holy spirit within our hearts there is no greater security when you know that someone will never leave you or forsake you when they have your back and you won't fail God desires that for us. And when we come in repentance, we come with a broken sin, Lord, I need you in my life. He strips away self-reliance and he places our dependency upon him. 
In closing, I like this statement. I, I heard, I saw it earlier. It says, Abraham Lincoln said, I have been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I have nowhere else to go. I'm going to say it again. Abraham Lincoln said, I have been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I have nowhere else to go. Pastor Brandon had said in July, the first Wednesday of, of the month, we'll, we'll have a message, but the other Wednesdays we are going to continue with prayer and worship. And I encourage you, don't check out, but dig in. Why is that? Come and sit with him. Come allow him to speak to you. Allow him to point out, not me, not me, not your spouse, not your past. No, no, no. Come allow the Holy Spirit. Oh, sweetheart, the reason why you're heavy is because you got this operating in you. Oh, Lord, I repent. Please forgive me. Because what is broken in you? What has been torn down in you? And what does God want to build up? So that you are secure in your identity. You are secure and confident. In closing, I want to share um, many, many years ago, not going to say the date because then you'll start knowing my age, but many, many years ago, our former youth pastor, and, and I'm sure uh, Miss Cassie was, was there, but our former youth pastor, Terry Darnell, a mighty, precious man of God, the best youth pastor ever. And he would have, him and Miss Tracy, they would have these nights of prayer and worship whenever we were in the, the old auditorium. And let me tell you, it rocked. God, you remember Miss Cassie? God met us there every single time. His presence was just whoosh there and so one of these nights God showed up and man it was towards the end of the evening and there was and you had youth there was a good bit of youth he had a youth ministry of 200 but you could have heard a pin drop in that place because the presence of God was so sweet it was so just real because God had showed up. We chose to sit with him. We chose to get on our face and Lord, point out anything in, in me that offends you and repent. And God showed up. But this is what I want to share. The Holy Spirit allowed me to see something and hear something. I was in the left-hand corner of the auditorium. And in the right-hand corner of the auditorium, the Holy Spirit allowed me to hear demonic activity. And what the Holy Spirit allowed me to hear was demons crying. And they were, they were fearful. They were afraid. Because the assignment that the devil had sent them there for was canceled out. Because we were in prayer and worship. And I heard them. I heard them saying, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And they were crying. It was beautiful. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I don't know what to do. What are we going to do? I heard them saying that. And then one of them said, there's nothing we can do. Church, when you and I come together, and we sit with the Lord, 
and say, God, I don't have all the answers, but I trust you with my future. I'm going to sit with you. I'm going to allow you to do a new thing in me. Lord, I'm going to allow you, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to allow you to point out anything in me that offends you because I want my heart, I want my walk to be in right standing with you. No demon in hell and the assignment that he has on our life will ever succeed. Amen. Nehemiah had a big assignment, but so do you and I. We do too. And God says, if you will come to me, I will meet you. I will talk to you. I will speak to you. I will encourage you. I will empower you. I will do the very new thing in you. team in just a moment that instead of us sitting we're going to stand in a moment we're going to worship him but if you say Dixie I don't there are so many unknowns there are so many fear factors there are so many insecurities in my future I, I don't know God that's the first place you need to begin recognizing your need for him only God can save you. Only God can give you a new identity. And only God can make you secure. So if, if you're, you're in this room, whether you're watching, that's the first place. Let's go. You say, Dixie, I need God in my life. That's the first place to begin. With believing in your heart and confessing in your mouth, say, Jesus, I believe in you. I need you in my life. I ask you to point out anything in me that offends you. And God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come and make new. Put your spirit within me and make me new. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior in the name of Jesus. I believe in you. And I surrender my life to you. Dixie, I'm going to sit with him. I'm going to allow him to point out anything in me because I want him to do a new thing in me. I want him to do a great thing in me. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Holy Spirit, I ask like only what you can do is speak to us right now. Speak to us right now. Holy Spirit, point out anything in us that is holding, if there's any mindsets that is holding us back. If there's any self-reliance of us depending upon ourselves, holding us back from sitting with you. If there's any fear of failure holding us back to going and sitting with you and depending upon you. Holy Spirit, expose it to us right now. In the name of Jesus, Father, I ask that you would continue to reveal your beautiful and great plan to your children. And may we trust you with our future in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, if you would graciously, as we close, if you could stand to your feet. And what I'd like for us to do, 
is we're going to stand. And if you have the ability just to raise your hands, and we're going to sing this as a prayer to the Lord. Come on. Nehemiah said, but right now we're going to stand, and we're just going to sing this as a prayer to the Lord. Lord, here I am. Lord, I need you. Lord, I love you. And every assignment that the enemy has designated to you is going to bow in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's sing it to him. Thank you, Jesus.
His presence is sweet, isn't it? Oh, how His presence is sweet. Thank you, Lord, for visiting us with your presence. Thank you, Lord, for visiting us with your presence. God, He loves you and He values you. We're here for you if you need anything. God bless. You are dismissed. Amen.